Welcome to Alec Across the States. I'm your host, Dan Reynolds. Today, we're going to be talking about counterfeit drugs, and we're sitting down with Pfizer to do it. First, joining us from Alec is Brooklyn Roberts. She is the Alec Director of the Health and Human Services Task Force, also a native Alabamian with an undergraduate degree in philosophy and a Juris Doctorate from the University of Alabama. Brooklyn, thanks so much for zooming into the podcast today. Thanks for hosting us, Dan. Of course. You do a great job. I really appreciate that, Brooklyn. Thank you. And joining us from Pfizer is Lev Kubiak, Vice President and Chief Security Officer at Pfizer. He joined Pfizer in 2016 after 23 years in the Department of Homeland Security, being a law enforcement officer. Lev, thank you so much for joining us and being able to offer all of your experience to us today. Yeah, Dan, thanks so much for the opportunity to kind of share and educate through your podcast. Yeah, thank you. So just to start things off, many people might not think that counterfeit drugs are a real threat, or maybe they think they shouldn't be worried at all. What would you say to respond to that? You know, are counterfeit drugs a real threat and should consumers be worried about them? Yeah, I wish they weren't a threat, but they are a a very real and very growing threat, unfortunately. They are extremely accessible throughout the world. I think many people have a misperception that counterfeit drugs may only be a problem in developing nations in Latin America or in Africa, but unfortunately, they're tremendously prevalent in developed nations like the United States as well. In fact, counterfeit pills have been found in all 50 states and have been documented by state officials to have caused death in 42 of those states. Um, Since 2004, Pfizer alone has helped law enforcement stop 260 million doses of counterfeit Pfizer medicines. So that's just our medicines that they're counterfeiting. And we regularly support law enforcement agencies globally who raid manufacturing locations, producing millions of doses of pills, which are intended for international distribution by mail. And unfortunately, it's all types of medications. In the past, it was really more so like drugs of abuse, so lifestyle enhancing drugs that people wanted and maybe didn't have a real prescription need for was where we saw counterfeiters probably 10 years or more ago spend most of their time and then migrated into drugs like blood pressure medication or or allergy medication or those types of things. But very alarmingly, in the last five years, we've seen a pretty significant increase in life-extending medication. So a group called the Pharmaceutical Security Institute documented a 13% rise in counterfeit cancer medications. And those medications in most cases had absolutely no active ingredient. So you have a patient who's sick with cancer, who's taking a pill that they think is treating their disease only to to maybe never realize that uh, that pill doesn't have any ability to actually help them. And we're now seeing with COVID-19, a huge increase in counterfeiting of, of things related around COVID. You've probably seen in the news counterfeit masks, counterfeit gloves, but also things like counterfeit treatments or, and as you may have heard just earlier this week, we're very fortunate and happy to report that our vaccine candidate was is extremely effective, it seems. And we are gearing up for counterfeit versions of that, which we anticipate. The reason there's so many counterfeits is because there's so much profit in it. In 2007, the University of Bonn did a study that said uh, a thousand euro investment 
in the components needed to make counterfeit medicines would yield a criminal organization of 500,000 euro profit. So 1,000 euros invested, 500,000 euro profit. And so they use those profits to really create these really sophisticated illicit internet pharmacies that then deliver prescription medications to unsuspecting patients directly to your house. So many times criminal organizations will make a website look like it's a Canadian, a real Canadian pharmacy because Americans have a belief that Canada has cheaper and better drugs. And they'll ship those counterfeit medicines direct into the United States directly to the patient and the patient has no idea. So a lot of our legislators are, are very concerned about this. It's something they hear, you know, from their constituents. Obviously, law enforcement has a very important role to play. But what can legislators do in their states to try to keep these out of the hands of U.S. patients? Yeah, so thank you for that question, because there's so much that can be done. The biggest challenge and really, you know, in my law enforcement career over 23 years in the war on drugs, we saw something very similar is really just a lack of awareness. And so education at the state level uh, for, for state citizens is just critically important. And not only for patients, but for healthcare providers, we found you know, that there is an alarming lack of understanding of the availability of counterfeit medicines, even by healthcare providers. And so if you take a counterfeit medicine, your doctor may not even ask you where you're getting your drugs from. A recent poll by the Alliance for Safe Online Pharmacy shows that Americans, uh, U.S. residents, have increased their online pharmacy use to up to 35% of the population since 2013, but 71% of Americans have never heard about counterfeit medicines being available through online sources. So education is really critically important, and and the first thing I'll just say to the listeners, two immediate steps today. If you have kids at home with credit cards, you should talk to them uh, because unfortunately one pill can kill in this new era of counterfeit medicines. And a lot of high school and college students are are dying around the United States as a result of fentanyl-laced, what they believe to be prescription medicines that are not. And if you have older parents or loved ones who have access to the internet and need drugs regularly, you should sit down and talk to them and make sure that they're actually a legitimate, verified pharmacy from which they're getting their medicines from if they're getting them online. Talk to those you love today. It's the most important piece of this. We've been partnering with uh, through state attorneys generals and through the governors in some ways, but we can do a lot more of that. I'll give you one quick example. The Louisiana Attorney General's Office has launched a great campaign about counterfeit medicines and building awareness. They have radio ads, they have TV ads, and they even have sent out letters to chiefs of police at all the universities throughout the state to increase their awareness. So that's a a critical element. You mentioned it already, Brooklyn, the need for enforcement at the state level is really imperative. Uh, State and local law enforcement agencies are generally unaware of the problem. And there's a lot of federal resources that can help state and local law enforcement agencies They also should be aware that criminal organizations are funding other types of criminal groups. So we've seen a lot of activity by gang groups like MS-13, for instance, that are funding their operations through the sale of counterfeit medicines or other counterfeit products. And at the state and local level, they can have an impact on on crimes much broader than just counterfeits affecting people. And then lastly, educating healthcare providers within your state and state regulators so that uh, the public messaging is really consistent. I live in Maryland, 
And I've seen some great PBS ads, public broadcasting station ads recently about counterfeit medicines in this state. And I think every state could do more in that area to raise awareness. If we can increase awareness, people will be more cautious about where they get their drugs from and they'll avoid counterfeit medicines. Yeah, thank you for that. So ALEC is the organization of and for state legislators, state policy. Most of our listeners are state legislators themselves or folks who are frankly very interested in state policy, oftentimes called policy wonks. The reason why I give that whole preamble is because we've seen several states pass drug importation laws. So what do these laws do? Are they truly safe? And do they provide a cheaper prescription option to consumers? Yeah, so I think states are trying whatever they can to find cheaper options for medications for their citizens, which is completely understandable. The United States currently enjoys one of the safest drug supply chains in the entire world, thanks to fantastic work over many, many years by the FDA to regulate the importation and to ensure that when drugs are imported or moved within the United States, that they're done securely. And as a result of that, we are extremely fortunate and really it's quite rare throughout the world that when you go to a brick and mortar pharmacy in the United States, or when you buy from an online version of one of those brick and mortar pharmacies, there is extremely low chances and very few instances in our recent history of people getting counterfeit medicines. Uh, that delivery system is so secure. What challenges this is as states look at this importation legislation, there frankly are really two things. One, importing drugs in a very secure way is, is difficult. Uh, the Canadian government has come out publicly a number of times saying that they're not going to verify the security of drugs that are imported from Canada for the United States. That's not their job. And so the research that I've read shows that when you look at all the costs associated with securely importing prescription medications under most of the state proposals, there is actually no savings over the long run. I think what is really a very recent kind of punctuation of that is that Florida recently put out a $30 million RFP specifically for this purpose and received no bids by the deadline, September 29th of 2020, for anyone to uh, begin that drug importation program for them. I don't know what the future will hold, hold for that, but that's an indication, you know, usually whether there's there's profits to be made, companies will uh, will come in or and those are based upon savings. So I don't think that's there. But it, what's even more concerning, if you don't mind, I'll share a quick story. In 2018, the Department of Justice released a statement, uh, you know, a, a, a DOJ announcement that uh, a person by the name of Christian Thorkelson, who was a Canadian resident, uh, together with several Canadian companies, including a company called Canada Drugs, admitted on that day that they had been involved in the widespread illegal sale of misbranded and counterfeit prescription drugs into the United States. And the chief justice of the U.S. District Court there sentenced those companies to forfeit $29 million in proceeds from their illegal scam. As a result of that, the FDA issued, the FDA who prosecuted the case, investigated the case, had conducted a several-year investigation of this drug smuggling of unapproved, misbranded, and counterfeit drugs and documented counterfeit cancer medications coming into uh, many states, including the state of Montana, and subsequently issued a 50-state warning uh, about the presence of these counterfeit cancer medications throughout the United States. Uh, 
that model, I'm afraid, will replace this extremely secure supply chain that we have in the United States already. And I would just caution state legislators because there is uh, there's a lot of detail in this importation of secure medications that are critical that I think a lot of the state legislation and proposals haven't haven't fully thought through or fully documented. Love, I want to highlight real quick one thing that you just said, because we don't, we want people to be educated on the issue and, and aware, but we don't want people to be scared. And so if you're going to your local brick and mortar pharmacy, and we all know the chain, you know, the big chains that are out there, or even the local pharmacies, medications by and large are safe. So we don't want to scare people, but we do want them to be aware that this is a problem, especially especially when ordering online from from unfamiliar sites. Is there anything else that you, you know, that you think people need to know? That's a great point to punctuate, Brooklyn, and thank you for making that point because you're right. The instance of counterfeit drugs in the United States is extremely rare and the influx when you buy through a secure supply chain, a brick and mortar pharmacy or their online equivalents. Ordering directly from illicit websites, and it's impossible to tell that they're illicit. Uh, If you Google search any medicine, you will find uh, hundreds of websites that that offer prescription medications. And oftentimes they don't require you to to supply the prescription and they'll mail those directly to your your house and they give the appearance. One way that they can check is there's a system called VIPS, V-I-P-P-S, uh, verified Internet Pharmacy Providers I think system is what it is. But uh, if you just Google VIPPS, it actually documents authorized and certified online pharmacies that people can click through that website and that link to then get to uh, certified websites that meet U.S. Uh, requirements. But people should be aware, uh, you know, the most recent study shows that over 90% of online pharmacies do not meet FDA regulatory uh, requirements. And so if you're just buying your medicines off of internet pharmacies, you're at, you're putting yourself at great risk. That does bring us near the end of our podcast segment today. We're going to be sure to add a lot of links and great information from Lev into our show notes. So if you're interested in learning more about this really important topic, scroll down, check out the show notes. Um, there's going to be a great video in there from Pfizer on this topic. But once again, I've been your host, Dan Reynolds. I've been sitting down with Brooklyn Roberts, the ALEC Director of the Health and Human Services Task Force. Brooklyn, thanks so much for sitting down and helping organize this great conversation today. Thank you. Thank you again for hosting us, Dan. And we are going to have a publication out soon on this particular topic. So I hope people will keep an eye out. You heard it here first. And also the Vice President and Chief Security Officer at Pfizer, Lev Kubiak. Lev, thanks so much uh, for joining us and giving the breakdown on what's going on across the states when it comes to counterfeit medicine. Yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity, Dan and Brooklyn. Thanks for your help. This is really a topic where education campaigns like this really can save people's lives, and, uh, and I hope we've done so today. Thanks very much. Of course. And if you are interested in having your ideas featured on Alec Across the States, do not hesitate to email us at acrossthestates at alec.org. And please do rate us wherever you get podcasts. It will help us grab some new listeners. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Across the States, the leading state-focused policy podcast presented by the American Legislative Exchange Council, the premier free market organization of and for legislators. 
To learn more about our work or to make a tax-deductible donation, visit alec.org. Tell us what you think on Facebook and Twitter at Alec States. The views and opinions expressed on Across the States are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Legislative Exchange Council.